Mr. John Fox, what a pleasure it is to hear your voice on a Sunday morning. Uh, but you, ha- you haven't even heard it yet. Well, that's why it's still a pleasure. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. You just, you just set them up too easily. Honestly, do, do you ever get tired of being just, like, brutal to me? I feed off negative energy, John. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> it is an absolute... Now, you see, it was, it was a pleasure before. Now it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, okay, good. Good recovery, I think. I think. Scotty, I'm sensing that you're in the same time zone. I am. Practically in the same zip code, but you couldn't be bothered to come say hello, could you? Well, I'm happy to come and say hello. I've just not been invited, you know, so it's... Uh... Oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, in, uh, I'm on the West Coast, uh, down, in, uh, down in the valley, not f- a little bit south of you. The sun is shining today. It's been very grey the last few days, but it actually looks like it might be a... Yeah, I might actually be in California at the moment, so... Uh, unlike in England, uh, how is the weather for you up in uh, what we always say, sunny San Francisco, which is really a bit of a lie, isn't it? No, as, as I say, sunny, perfect San Francisco, where at any given time, at least one of those things is true. <laughs> it um, is always no, San it, Francisco, it, so yes. <laughs> yes. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But I, our listener doesn't want to hear about that. Our listener wants to hear about the fact that my hack was successfully put into place. Go on in. Tell our listener all about it. Yeah, well, so, you know, you remember how I said that I would probably find that, that there actually is an attribute for doing it? I, there wasn't, so it, it, I was correct in, in that, that something needed to be done. And so uh, I, I found somebody's approach where they said, well, you, you could do this, but you could basically, you know, subclass UI label and go down to the core text APIs and, and, and get the exact coordinates of, of where each of the different bits of text are, and then you can easily draw something behind that. So. Um, that that was kind of an interesting approach, but I thought that, that that was a little bit, you know, if all I ever wanted to do was to do outlining, that would have been the right thing to do because the the, the guy who did it was doing it where you needed to do something. As I discussed, they wanted to get kind of a custom highlighter look with it. And I think in this particular case, when you have complete drawing capability, you can make a, a Bezier path plus any type of image drawing you want to do. You can even make it look kind of clever and, and kind of... Um, natural looking you know what i mean where you know it's not a perfect and not a perfect rectangle with perfect rounded corners it's always a little bit sloppy but in this particular case since i wanted to be able to work with images and i already was working with images for other types of badges the approach here of just you know rendering out the image was was just fine however i did come across two interesting things which it 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 capped off a week where uh finished off the the tech debt and design debt and was a lot of little small things but, you know, when you say, oh, okay, I can do this very, very easily, and, and sometimes you can with, you know, nothing but net, all just works right, right away. Other cases where you said, this should be simple, but there were a couple of tricky things, and I can talk about the tricky things. So just to refresh for our listener who already was bored last time when he was listening to it and can't remember, um, I was trying to, to figure out a way to be able to get these nice rounded cornered text effects for, for, for rating. So instead of it just saying TV, you know, dash MA in the middle of a text run, it would have rounded corners around it, but this is in a, in a single text run. So, um, since you can't get rounded corners with an attribute, you have to kind of get an image in there. And the way I got the image is I took another UI label subclass we had, which already has things set up for the right typeface, the right kerning, the right corner and color and all that kind of stuff and just render it. Um, but yeah, the first thing I noticed is that I wasn't seeing the text or the, the label looked weird. And it was kind of a handy little hint that if you are, you know, uh, in a run of code and you're setting up something that requires drawing, it's not going to, and, and you're going to render, you know, grab an image from a UI view that you've just set up. 
you have to remember to to call uh, display if needed, um, because otherwise it's just going to just going to have those views marked as dirty. And in the next clock tick, it will, the the render will be done. So you have to make sure you do that. Um, but the second thing I I found is that the the code that was in a category that a colleague of mine had set up, um, and and has been used in other parts of the app, neglected to set a fill of clear color in the in the graphics context and so the default color for a graphics context is black and so then i went to all the trouble to making these nice round corners and i saw these artifacts in each of the corners like what the hell is that and then i said oh yeah and that's the black fill um so when i got those two things taken care of the little technique worked fine and and you know i was all concerned about saying well i better make a caching mechanism for it no it's yeah, I, it's pretty safe to say that a lot of people spend a lot of time, or at least uh, some people spend a lot of time making that fast. Um, so it's it's it just it happens instantaneously. It's not really worth um, setting up a cache for. It's too much trouble. Uh, so uh, that thing got solved. And the other thing I discovered very very happily, which was uh, you know I've talked about Lottie in the past, and Lottie is a is a reminder to our half listener who was half paying attention when he was half interested. Um, is a great mechanism for taking the output of, of tools like After Effects, which people use to make motion graphics. It takes vector descriptions of, of animations, shapes and whatnot over time, and uh, takes the output of, output of those, and uh, exports it as a JSON file, and then loads the JSON file, parses it, and turns it into a, a layer, a series of layers, and then animates them. Um, and so one of the nice things about it is you can programmatically change them. You can access all the, the key paths for the layers and, and manipulate them, like, for instance, changing angles of rotation or stroke path or color or whatnot. And um, we use a fair amount of it in our app, um, and it works really well. But there is a request to, to apply a tint color uniformly to all buttons in an area. And so in, in you know, we have a, a number of button classes um, as we've <laughs> done them over time, we're actually trying to consolidate them. But, you know, we've used everything from from icon fonts um, to standard bitmap images to PDF and then, of course, Lottie animations. And so depending on, on what technology is being used in the, in the particular button subclass that's being included in a cell here, um, I needed to, to, to standardize it. So I just implemented um, tint color for all these different button classes that we have. And in the case of Lottie, I discovered that, you know, um, the, when you are working with a Lottie file, it mostly just works. You can get the animation playing like very, very simply, but to figure out how to adjust the colors for it, you have to have some intimate knowledge of the, of the, the layers. And so either you find that out by working with your motion designer or looking at the, the layer tree in an inspector in, in After Effects, or programmatically you can log all the different um, key paths that are available for it. And so I did that and I thought, God, this is so annoying. Um, and then I remembered reading that you can actually use wildcards. And so depending on the the uh, the complexity of the animation you're you're using, you could just <laughs> I discovered that and rather having to spend all this time trying to figure out which layer to implement, I just did star star dot color <laughs> equals and then the color I wanted because it basically you could you could color every single thing that could be possibly colored in the thing, which seems terribly heavy, heavy handed. But if it's for a very simple thing where you don't have a bunch of layers, it much better than, than spending all the time logging out the layers, figuring out which ones are the ones you actually want to do only to discover that of the 12 layers, really, you know, it's the last one you've tried is, is the one you needed. So you may as well just short circuit and, and just color the whole damn thing. Um, so those things made me happy this week, which, uh, sewed things up quite nicely and so that by the time the 
Friday came around and we were having our, our kind of departmental holiday lunch, I could do it with a, a relaxed state of mind. How was your week, Scotty? It, well, it sounds like not as successful as yours, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah just go back to your statement well, about that's, there. that's always the case. That is probably true, yes, in full fairness. Um, yeah, just go back to your case there that, you know, you go through everything until you realize it was the, you know, the biggest level or the last one or whatever. But you know for sure that if you just went and did the last one, then you would, that would be the wrong answer. It's only ever, oh, absolutely. It's only ever the, totally. the last one or the biggest one when you work through all of them. So. Exactly. That's because because space time works that way, <laughs> yes, or I don't know the multiverse works that way. However, you want to describe it. Ah, so talking of multi and multiverses and space time and, and sort of like simple subjects like that, uh, um, we've been having a, a little bit of a discussion this week. I've not got a, too involved yet, but uh, I've been thinking sort of in the background about it about handling currencies because it's. Currencies in applications are incredibly complicated um, for all sorts of reasons that if you just stop for a few minutes to think about doesn't uh, uh, you know, doesn't shouldn't really surprise you but once you start uh, digging down it's one of those areas that just always has everything just adds another layer of complexity uh, now I know. Uh, you being a standard American, you might be a little bit confused by this subject because you have no concept of anything other than the U.S. dollar. Wait, are you about to insult Americans <laughs> and our insular okay. nature? Let me, let me, or let, the fact that our our currency is is the world's reserve currency. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, let's let's. And it's been a whole second, especially after I've watched season three of the of the Crown and and looked at all the shit that y'all went through in the 70s with the with devaluations and being just bankrupt as fuck and coal strikes go ahead shit all over the dollar and, and decimalization which was was fortunate right. at least we now have a base 10 currency um okay because <laughs> dealing with that in a computer yeah I, I let me rephrase that then uh, just like us english speakers are blessed that um uh, <laughs> thank that, you that much of the world uh can comprehend our language because they've chosen to adopt it for things such as business and tech and whatever else uh let's just say that the u.s on the whole is very um blessed that the dollar is so widely embraced that often many americans don't have to consider uh within their software or the things they're doing uh, or don't feel the need to consider the aspects of multiple currencies being involved in things is that better <laughs> much better my 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 <laughs> <laughs> Did, have i unoffended the nation Yes, Our, the nation Good. of 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 quarter listener. Yes, yeah. Oh, remind me, I met a quarter listener this week as well. So, uh, so that sounds really weird. It's like the it, it, which bit? There was one leg, <laughs> one ear. Was <laughs> not even going there. Anyway, currencies. Now, currencies. When you're dealing with currencies, um, uh, obviously you've got lots of. Um, you know, it's just a number. Uh, and, and I'm not going to bother you. Know, all the stuff about rounding in currencies is already well known, and using decimals and not floats and doubles and all the rest of it, because that's not the bit we're discussing. It's the fact that when you have things that go on in multiple currencies, say a transaction that's you know uh, becomes through in your bank account in Great British pounds, but it's was spent in US dollars, which is something that would be very common for someone in the UK because you know we'll buy something on a website in dollars straight from our UK bank account, so the final debit from the bank account is in pounds. But obviously, so there is a comparison value, 
uh, to these things there's an exchange rate but those exchange rates are obviously only relevant for that moment in time as well so as you know those comparison values are uh, just for an instant in time and will be constantly changing and when you're just recording a transaction uh, like that you know obviously that's reasonably easy you can you know if you have the uh, pound amount and the dollar amount given to you at the same time then you know what the um, uh, exchange rate was on it if you don't have them then you know the exchange rate is something you can uh, obtain and calculate for that moment in time using um, exchange rate um, sources so so the actual uh, production of numbers and whatever else in the instance of a transaction is you know it is it relatively simple it's you know it has stuff you have to do but it's not difficult stuff you have to do what becomes difficult in a in an app like moneywell when you're looking at your budgets and your values and, and what things are worth and how much you're spending is comparisons uh because you know you have to be very careful you cannot compare you cannot just total the value of your transactions because they're all in different currencies, for example. Um, so you need to work out to that. You can't compare values because they're all in different currencies. And then, so how do you, so part of this discussion is becoming, well, how do you make sure that that doesn't happen by mistake? How do you make sure you don't just add up four numbers and they turn out to be four different currencies? Um, and so we've been having... Uh, discussions. Matt's been doing most of the research, and then he just tells me what all the problems are, and I just go, "That sounds hard." <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes go a back, go <laughs> back to the pub. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 that, that's what I'm saying. Wait, when I'm saying we, that's that's the type of we I'm talking about here. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So so how do we in Moneywell basically create what we what I'm going to call type safe currency management? So, you know, there are different ways people recommend doing this, and one of those is to actually create a currency type um, and make it impossible to compare uh, two currencies that don't have the same type value. Um, you know, in their episode, that, that, that doesn't work. Uh, but then that means you've now got, you know, I don't know how many currencies are in the world, but there are a lot of them, uh, a whole bunch of uh, really quite complex not complex, repetitive code handling for all your different currency types. So there's a whole bunch of just like issues in there to which at this stage we haven't come up with uh, with an answer. I think the, the current feeling is maybe to be slightly more flexible and take the risk and just assume that we code defensively. But um, yeah, this stuff is hard and it just turns out who knew that uh, software development and doing, um, uh, doing things was hard. So... Uh, it's I, I, when we come up with a, a final decision. Um, uh, a sixteenth of our it, remaining so. audience will wait with bated breath for the answer, which well, I'm going to argue is should just be. This is like one of those cases cases where the answer should be blockchain. Can't you just convert everything to blockchain from one currency in a moment? Why didn't we think of that, John? That's because you don't have yeah. the dollar owned, the dollar fueled genius that is the American. Yeah, that's. Um... Yeah, that's it. Blockchain is the answer. I'll just go back to Matt and go fact. I'll send him a I'll send him a message right now. Uh, John says. John says blockchain. blockchain is the answer. You numpty. <laughs> there we are. There we are. So, yeah, this okay. is this is how I get to contribute to our software product in a in a sort of um, effective and <laughs> um, meaningful way. Uh, so no, uh, so again, it's I guess only certain applications have to deal with multiple currencies. 
um, in, 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 in a way that where, let's rephrase that, I'm sure lots of applications have to deal with multiple currencies, but obviously it's only in financial applications you have to deal with how you can make comparisons, how you do revaluations, how you, you know, how do you say was this transaction bigger than this transaction, you know, value-wise when one was in dollars and one was in, uh, you know, one was in, you know, um, Greek drachma, because you bought it a long time ago before the euro. So, so you're 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 doing this for historical purposes as well. So let me ask the very serious question. Well, I think actually when Money first came out, based? the dra- no, no, actually no. I think the Drachma didn't exist no. anymore when Money World came out. Anyway, so yes, carry on. No. So how many uh, how many of your users do you think this actually affects, or do you have a large population of people with with uh, what's the word blacklisted currencies? People you know with rubles and and I don't know what the 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 Iranian. Uh, currency is. I, I would say, okay, the, the majority of our users are US-based, and they probably work in single currency. Um, so I would right. say uh, that's existing users. Um, MoneyWell historically has been quite a US-centric um, application. So like, for example, mm-hmm. the automatic uh, getting of transactions from your bank account uses... Um, the American system, which doesn't work in Europe. So you can only, in, in the current version of the application, you can only automatically get transactions in your bank account if you have a US bank account. Um, and that uses something I think called Direct Connect, which is being phased out in the States now because it's not very secure. And it's every every um, institution has a diff, slightly different format of doing things. So we, uh, we, we you know, I'd say a decent percentage of our support is someone saying, I can no longer get transactions from my city account. And we look at the city's city website and they've changed the format of their data and we have to change our format. And fortunately, MoneyWorld downloads all the formats from the website. It's not hard-coded into the application. So we have to update the XML file on our website so that MoneyWorld starts working again. It's a complete pain in the backside <laughs> and, and just laborious and error-prone and just makes people think that our software keeps failing and it's actually the banks just keep changing things. Um, also very hard for us because it only works with US bank accounts and as a UK company, we can't open a US bank account and we definitely can't open 150 or 300 bank accounts for all. You know, the US is very unique. It has lots of very small banks and independent banks. Whereas mm. In most of Europe anyway, you know, there might be five or six big banks and they all agree how to do things on the whole together. So you have a... a national banking standard for online stuff and everything so it's not always great but you know whereas america you have my fourth bank of smallville small state hicksville sort of thing (laughs) doesn't work anymore because they've done their own thing with probably a microsoft access um anyway how do we get on to this apologies to our 30 second listener (laughs) that's it from hicksville um so I would say currently, yeah, the majority of users are in the U.S. Uh, because the app is quite U.S. centric. Now, obviously, one of our strategies for um, uh, MoneyWell going forward, especially us being a, a U.K. stroke European company, is to make MoneyWell work well everywhere, um, including Europe. Uh, now, for those of us in uh, Europe, we will regularly uh, deal with multiple currencies if you do anything online, for example, so you know, our GitHub accounts are all charged in dollars, but so it does depend. Now, lots of people don't bother handling multiple currencies, even when they're in 
uh, Europe or the US, they'll just wait for the charge to arrive on their credit card or their debit card or whatever, and they'll look at the statement and say, well, actually, the $7 was five euros, so I'm do- I'm now going to run the transaction through its five euros. Um, other people, obviously, that doesn't work for business accounting, but you know, a lot of people, when they're doing their personal stuff, will. People who are maybe a little bit more... Um, dedicated to the call shall we say uh you know they want to know no i spent seven dollars but actually that meant five euros came out of my account um and you do tend to find that people who use budgeting apps to their full extent tend to be the people who like more detail shall we say um so i think yeah it is it is something we have to we have to handle well uh you know how much have i spent this month on software and it might have been in you know, euros pounds and dollars we need to make sure we get you know what was the most expensive thing i bought this month in this category um uh, and it's just about making sure that you get it right because at the end of the day it's just a number in the database but you that number has a lot of different relevances depending on um you know where it came from so it's a uh, yeah it's a it's a a trickyish one um that uh potentially doing it what might be seen as the correct way would make coding quite difficult um whereas although effective and this is i think this is often a, a thing of type safety as well um was doing it an easier way it might be easier but might make code ugly lots of big if statements for example so yeah i will let you know once um i've imported all my wisdom to matt and he makes a decision <laughs> And he will probably just say, yeah, this is hard. We're going to do every it all. I'm going to take John's advice. Yes, which was so good. I can't remember what it was now, but I did send it to him so I can follow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, if wow. anyone else out there, if any other quarter listener, eighth listener, 16th listener, whatever you want might be, is um, uh, spend some time handling currencies, there's, uh, there, there is some reasonable sort of blog posts and things on this stuff out there. But, again, it's not, you know, it's not like you're overloaded with uh, good information. So um, I would definitely be interested to to hear of any real real world real world scenarios that people have dealt with this hmm. well scott i have one last thing to to talk about very quickly go fire away so uh this past wednesday i i cleared out a storage locker which had like boxes of stuff from from a company i co-founded god many years ago 1996 um uh and eight years worth of stuff there including like, you know, many, many copies of Wired magazine from, from, from the 90s. And some of them were fascinating. I kind of almost got lost until I just decided, no, I need to put them on their building free table after I assured myself that, that the, the actual archives of them were available online. But I, I like Wired magazine a lot. But I also had, you know, video cassettes and, and some CDs. And then I, I kind of had to, to do my best to responsibly, re, you know, uh, dispose of, I don't know, I probably want to say, eight, nine years worth of WWDC CD-ROMs, DVDs in, in various forms of, of boxes, some of which were, were fairly clever, so others of which were just crappy cardboard, stuff like that. And it just reminded me that uh, I don't ever want to have stuff again. But I think it, it, there's still the case where a lot of it was just interesting to me. There, there, there are some old videos of, of how we used to market and explain our software and it was nice to to look back at it. You know, it really is fun, but it also presents the challenge of of how you deal with all this stuff. And I I got good at saying, you know what, I have a phone here, 
being able to read the text is, is all I really care about. And then I guess for the four or five of the cassettes, I may get them digitized, even though they'll be really crappy. I'll pay probably way too much money to have a VHS cassette, which is, you know, SD resolution, just terrible, but it'll be nice to have. But uh, I don't know if you have, you must have some things from, from way back when that you find amusing to, to look back at, especially things related to technology and what people were, were concerned with. You know, the, choosing the right modem to get on the, the, the internet, that was the concern in the 90s. Yeah, it's, I don't tend to do, I mean, obviously I have video cassettes of uh, satin drawers that have got, you know, uh, videos of my kids growing up on and whatever else that I probably should go off and get something done with before they totally deteriorate. Uh, but I'm not. When it comes to tech, I'm not one for, even though I rabbit on about it and how the good old days and whatever else, I don't really do nostalgia. I tend to throw things in the bin pretty quickly um, and just say, no, that can go now. Uh, I do struggle a little bit more with, you know, maybe sometimes get rid of an old computer. But yeah, but even then, you know, it might sit at my desk for four or five years and then I'll dispose of it. Um, of course, in the old days, you threw them in the trash. Now you responsibly dispose of them. Um yeah, so it's no, so I don't really, you know, f- well, okay, here, here's something I'm going to say to you, because you've done what lots of us do, <laughs> yeah, and that's the first thing is, you decide to sort through this stuff after you had stored it and paid to store it. <laughs> exactly, right. As, as opposed to doing this before you stored it, so you didn't have to pay to store the stuff that you didn't actually want to keep anymore. So basically, we but all... But I didn't know I didn't want to store it 10 years later <laughs> until I did it. I, I, I did a good job whittling down. I, I will short-circuit this a little bit, and maybe our, our 128th uh, listener has a solution for this, or maybe you do. Like one of the things I do have is this thing called the Canon Object Station, which I remember I gave a talk in Germany and I rec- I, I booted it up because I wanted to, I was giving a talk about how I you know good artists steal and 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 so do I, um, and I was just showing some software that was running on NextStep from a million years ago, and this was the only way I knew how to boot it up. And I was amazed that it did, and the hard drive made an ungodly sound. But this is something that went into storage, and I very carefully wrapped it in, in, in bubble tape, and it still, I'm sure that if I turn it on, it would still work. I actually really, for nostalgia's sake, think it should be possible to be able to run OpenStep on, on some type of Intel virtual machine and still be able to run it on a Mac somewhere. It, didn't you at one time, or haven't you at one time done something like that where you could run you know, it's it's certainly possible to to run Windows on on in a virtual machine on a Mac without having to boot into Windows, isn't it? Uh, so yeah. if if you can do that theory, you should be able to run OpenStep, and if you can run OpenStep, I could load some of my software and run it on there from a million years ago. I'm sure there's probably a way of doing OpenStep in in one of these um, uh, virtual machine thingy bobs that you can do. I don't know if any of them, I mean, obviously they're not going to be headline news that this, you know, yes, parallels 17 now supports open step. Um, right, <laughs> Cause I, I can't right. see the demand is there, <laughs> but I'm sure someone out there somewhere has, has made something work and there's loads of emulators and simulators. I mean, if people have made emulators of old sort of like um, 1980s sort of uh, uh, home computers that you would build, and maybe about seven people had, then I'm sure that someone must have done something with OpenStep somewhere. Yep. Must All have right. done. Well, I will. So. I will ask the universe for help with that. Yes. So, uh, we, okay. So that's another request. So we want help. What do we want help with this week? Currency, uh, John's storage policy, and um, 
can you run open step on anything? And what was it you wanted to run open step on? Just well, a virtual machine. A current generation yeah, Mac. You don't, okay, yeah. you don't want to keep this. What was it you said you had a Canon? What? A Canon object station. It was a rogue division of Canon that made Intel-based hardware that with with much nicer kind of design and much better performance, particularly much better graphic performance than other Intel boxing of the day. And what year was this from? 1994 or 5, something like that. It's pretty damn old. Okay, yeah, so that's sort of like Windows 3.1.1, maybe Windows 95 territory a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we might as well uh, finish with a uh, with uh, another listener interaction. A whimper. Um, so yes. one uh, one two fifty sixth of a listener. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I was on. Um, I got into town on uh, uh, Wednesday night, so I've spent the last couple of days uh, at uh, client offices. And uh, yesterday, no, not yesterday. What day? Is Sunday today. Friday morning. Friday morning. I was sat in a sat in a meeting room on a client site and just busily getting away some stuff. And uh, uh, someone came to the door and uh, and just said, uh, "Can I ask you a question?" To which, being the nice person I am, I said, "Of course you can ask me a question." And uh, th- they said, "Do you really lose that many recordings?" <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> I hope you lied. To which I said, yes, I work with an absolute numpty. No. <laughs> to which I said, unfortunately, yes, we do. They're all real occasions <laughs> of losing them. <laughs> so there we are. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, so, so, you know uh, the, so the question was following with question, well, your back catalogue could be enormous if you didn't lose them, to which I said, no, no, actually, because we do go on and normally have another go at recording, so we wouldn't really have too many more episodes. But uh, um, we've had many more recordings than episodes, that is true. So, uh, That's not many more. Don't, don't lie. <laughs> it's, it's happened a few times, isn't it? <laughs> I, I do love telling the story now, though, about how I've made you buy... <laughs> A handheld recorder that has one button on it. <laughs> because I can teach you how to use that properly. <laughs> it's right. I said I'd stop this. I said well, I would stop this in 2020, so I've got to get what I can in for the next few days. Yeah, yeah. Next decade, next decade, you'll you'll be better behaved. Well, I might add that it's the same one that you use. It is because it's. it's I, I realize my inability to handle multiple buttons. <laughs> You've just had ideas way above your station. <laughs> all right fine so i did i i, I i'm sorry Joe, but I, I did feel that was quite amusing <laughs> and I you did throw me under the bus all right well but so that, that so this is this is i don't know what's more sad that this person had to admit to listening or that you had to admit to, to being as bad as as <laughs> as as you are no i did admit that i have lost a recording or two but i i, I pale into insignificance i felt <laughs> All right, fine. There we are. Well, so John, um, I'm assuming people are going to get to hear this one um, because now we have you know fancy equipment. Or no, that's not fancy. It's like we we what's the um, uh, what, what's it when you can't handle real Lego you give to kids? Duplo. Do you have that here? Yeah, yeah we, we, have we have Duplo, Duplo recording, recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> we are men of the Duplo era. <laughs> So if you want to tell me all about how there's no shame in that, you can find me on the Twitters where civilization continues. Um, 
where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And if they want to find you in a conference room, how might they do that so they can insult you in person? Well, obviously I'm working, so I won't really... <laughs> I, I will have my door shut and just really not be available from now on. But if you wanted to get hold of me online for later use, then you could do it on Twitter as MacDevNet or on Micro.blog as Scotty. And of course, you can get hold of both of us by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. Well, John, it has been a privilege and a pleasure. Uh, I will. I will agree. And this probably being our last. Well, no, this this may not be our last show of the year. If not, we'll have the the grumpy old men Christmas well, well, special I'm, I'm next week I'm, before you disappear. I'm, I'm definitely seeing you Thursday evening. I hope. Oh, okay. So that, we'll definitely do it. No, no, you, you're, I'm you're staying there. at your house. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> in the guest in the guest so yes, I, I was hoping we could maybe record a quick episode then. We'll see the, the, the final that seems one like the optimum time before to do it. Christmas. There we are. We have to. We have to. We have to kind of like you know finish out the decade of iDeveloper. <laughs> <laughs> have we done it all years? Of the, no, we haven't. No, Many I don't years. know when we started. I mean, because we did before no, no, the, before the iDeveloper show. We, we we've did, done it for this entire. We did the MDM we, show. We, we've recorded we? together all of this. That's yeah. right. All these 10 years. So. Our first podcast together was 2008. So there we are. How scary right. is that? Right. Okay. Uh, thanks Very. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've really gone into old man, end of the decade, nostalgia now. Uh, thanks for listening. Before. <laughs> and uh, um, until next time, you take care. Thank you.